We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Chicago Bears select. Welcome to Picks for Polls, presented by the Bear Report, your number one source for everything Chicago Bears draft news, analysis, scouting reports, and more. Presented by Blue Wire Pods. And now, making their way to the podium, Andrew Freeman and Usaid Koshal. Welcome to Picks for Polls, a Chicago Bears draft podcast presented by the Bear Report and Blue Wire Pods. My name is Andrew Freeman, and of course, I'm joined by my co-host, Usaid Koshal. We're back after a little bit of a break that we took during the holiday season. Um, Some much-needed time off while the Bears um, had a pretty wild last few weeks of the 2023 season for them. Um, but the season's over now after their loss to the Green Bay Packers, 17-9 to uh, this past Sunday. We're officially into the offseason now. And with that said, you said, um, now that we're here, how you doing today, man? Yeah, I am doing well. I mean, I'm in a sense kind of glad the season is over. But, you know, first and foremost, we just kind of want to go ahead and thank everyone again. I think this was the third or fourth year that, you know, you and I have been doing this podcast. So we thank you guys for, you know, the continued amount of support that you guys have given us from the time that we started this in 2020 all the way till now. So, you know, once again, thanks to all you guys kind of getting into everything you know i'm doing well i had some uh you know fun family stuff going on over the last few weeks but um it's weird because it's like i think when you look at where this team is at everything kind of played out how you and i predicted that it would yeah i mean it 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 was a very interesting the way this poll played out. So what we're going to do today is uh, obviously the bears, they, they had their, you know, they, their end of season press conference today where they announced quite a bit and went over quite a bit in terms of what we can expect to happen next. So we'll be covering all that today in, in regards to, you know, Eberflus's coaching status coming back, you know, what's going to happen with the offensive coordinator spot. Now that's, that's kind of, um, opened up now with Luke Getze being fired and of course how that all impacts the quarterback decision that's coming up. Um, but we'll also be doing some recap on some other storylines like the national championship game. We'll probably dig into that near the end of the podcast. So um, a lot of fun stuff that we'll be covering today um, after the break. So let's just get into the big 
picture stuff right here. So we end up finding out officially today that the Bears made a, a, a bunch of changes to their coaching staff. Basically, they fired Luke Etsy and they fired a lot of guys on the offensive coaching staff, basically um, sending in the message that they are going to be starting fresh on that side of the ball. But Matt Eberflew's job for now is safe. You know, they're going to give him at the very least, you'd expect another year um, to try to, you know, get this team, I, I would assume, back into the playoff mix. Um, and it, it all makes things very interesting here because of the number one pick situation. And, you know, are they going to draft a rookie quarterback in this spot? Or, you know, are they going to stick with Justin Fields? We can touch on that later. But first of all, what do you make of uh, the news that Eberflus is back? but now looking for a new offensive coordinator. I mean, to be fully honest, I'm not even remotely surprised that the Bears brought Matt Eberflus back. You look at the comments that were made by Kevin Warren as well as Ryan Poles over the last few weeks, and again, something has to kind of be said for George McCaskey really staying out of the spotlight more than I feel like he usually does because the guy does show shades of being kind of this present, but also absentee owner. Now the comments that, you know, polls and Warren have made over the last couple weeks, they basically endorsed Eberflus and they were like, yeah, this is the guy for the job. And this is when we look at the list of head coaching candidates out there from guys like Bobby Slowick, who are in their first year of being offensive coordinators, all the way down to Ben Johnson, guys that have extensive experience. I mean, this is probably one of the better coaching carousels that we've seen in a long time. And and I think the last time we saw one that was just as good as this one would probably be 2019. Um, but ultimately, you look at it and you say this, the Bears – asked themselves a handful of questions and ultimately the conclusion that they came to was that number one there was nobody better than Matt Eberflus that's well equipped to lead this team number two it wasn't just about leading this team what the Bears are trying to do here is establish some sort of solid structure in place that they have not had in decades and you could argue this that it's kind of the results materialized for Matt Eberflus in 2023, but it was too little too late in some of our opinions. But ultimately, it's also key to keep in mind is that they're trying to build out some stable structure here, and they do see him as having improved enough as a head coach to warrant bringing him back because they do believe it would be a complete disservice to such a young roster if you were to start over. Now, with that being said, the other half of bringing Eberflus back and Again, there are a lot of questions throughout the Bears' own self-evaluation process. Is that what exactly do you believe Matt Eberflus brings to the table that the rest of these candidates don't? Do you believe Matt Eberflus is going to be the guy that's going to take this group to the next level? And if so, you do, well, that's why you brought him back. But if you just brought him back for a sense of convenience, then it's a move where we're going to have, kind of have to wait and see how things pan out. Continuity was a word that was brought up quite a bit at the press conference today with Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus and, and Kevin Warren as well. Um, clearly, which it's kind of weird to say continuity when you fire half your coaching staff, especially all of it being on the offensive side of the ball, but I, I, dig, I digress there, I guess. But, yeah, look, this is a frustrating one because I think – 
you know, Eberflus, are there reasons maybe for him to have saved his job in the back half of the year with the way the defense played and the way this team kind of turned it around after a rough start? Yes, I think there is some stuff that is commendable about that. You know, the fact that the locker room generally does like him quite a bit, especially on the defensive side of the ball. The defensive players really respect him, it seems like. And all that stuff is, is all well and good. It's great. He's clearly a very he's a very good defensive coordinator, and that has shown through many times before. But to me, this just feels like an organization that just when they have a chance to really shoot for the stars and take a big swing and take a big risk and you know really try to maximize their opportunities when they are presented to them. They will, you know, settle for the mediocre, mediocrity, comfortable decision every single time. And the comfortable decision for them is to keep Matt Eberflus. Um, and I just, I, I don't know if you can justify this. And it goes back to like, if the Bears did not have the number one overall pick and they're coming off this season, maybe you could justify it um, because you're not in a position to, you know, totally reshape this team around a number one overall pick quarterback um, and, and whatnot. And you just run it back with Justin Fields and all that stuff. Um, but with the opportunity to draft a number one overall pick, like you're, you're in the perfect position to really pivot and, you know, get a true difference maker in here um, into that coaching staff. And man, they've, how many times have they done this before? <laughs> First it was, what was it? I'm trying to even think here. First, it was forcing Phil Emery on on Lovey or you know with Lovey Smith and having that work for a year, and then it was forcing you know Mark Trestman with Jay Cutler and that didn't work, and then it was you know drafting Mitch Trubisky for John Fox who never wanted Mitch Trubisky and that didn't work, and then they did the same thing with Justin Fields and Matt Nagy and after a year they fired like we're setting up the same cycle I feel like with this decision to keep Matt Eberflus you know, an uninspiring coach who, I mean, if you really look at like, look, the, the reasons for keeping is one defensive turnaround the second half of the year, the team pulling it together in the second half of the year after the Montez sweat trade. But when you really pick it apart, man, it's just like, yes, the defense got better, but look at the quarterbacks they face in the last half of the season, Bryce young, Josh Dobbs, Taylor Heineke, like even earlier in the season, like Sam Howell, you know, Russell Wilson got benched and, and pulled off a comeback on them. You know, the best two quarterbacks they beat in during the stretch this season were Jared Goff, who never plays well in cold weather, and Kyler Murray, who's coming off a, an injury and is playing for maybe the worst roster in the league outside of maybe Carolina. So, like, yes, on paper, did the Bears improve this season? Did they did their actual play improve this year? Yes, they, they did, but that was like a baseline expectation for a team that had the most resources to build around this past offseason that added as much talent as they did to this roster. Like the offense did not get better. If anything, the offense got worse. And yeah, you can say, well, that's not necessarily Matt Eberflus' fault because he's a defensive-minded head coach. And I would beg to differ. I think that is entirely because you're hiring a guy like Matt Eberflus, who is defensive-minded, he is responsible for hiring the offensive coordinator, Luke Getze, who was a complete disaster, right? 
Getz. And I'm sure that Eberflus plays a big role in, in, in Luke Getz's game plans in terms of how conservative they were at times this season. You know, the over-reliance on the run game, you know, some of the weird in-game decisions and all that stuff. So I, I know I'm kind of rambling here, you said, but to me this is a frustrating decision because they really had a chance, I feel like, to shoot for greatness in this offseason with the coaching decision, lining it all up. And we're not going to get that. I feel like we're setting up the same song and dance that we've seen in Chicago with, you know, the head coach quarterback dilemma. And it's, it it just, it's, it feels like, man, it's happening all over again. And there's, there's nothing we can really do to stop it. I mean, not really anything we can do to control that, but yeah, that's just kind of my feeling at this point. It certainly is kind of frustrating because you look at how the stars have aligned for this team. And again, everyone wants to sit there and talk about the number one overall pick. Everyone wants to talk about pick number nine as well. But you also look at the bigger picture here. And if you go to look at the, if you go to over the cap and you look at the Bears payroll, I mean, they're investing about a hundred million dollars in defense. Okay. And then they are investing about 65 to 75 million, I believe, on the offensive side of the ball. Again, those are just some rough projections for 2024. And so you kind of look at it and you begin to say, well, this is a pass happy league. It's a league where, you know, offenses are now the driving force. Yes, you need to have a good defense, but you also need to have a really elite offense. And again, to be fully realistic here, the Bears' defense right now could be a chance it's essentially a championship caliber defense and a defense that's good enough to help teams stay competitive and good enough to help teams you know stay in the thick of the playoff and then if they get one or two things that go right their way then all of a sudden they're elite championship defense the problem though is this is the bears played it too safe on offense and there's just so many holes there that still need to be addressed like you're looking at that center position that needs to be figured out you can't really rely on Nate Davis and Tevin Jenkins in the interior to stay healthy. Again, Darnell Mooney just two years ago was a thousand yard receiver, but he's taken a major step back as well. And all of that stuff has kind of led to this point of what is going to be Matt Eberflus's vision for the next offensive coaching staff that's in here. Because when you fire your assistant tight ends coach, your offensive coordinator, your receivers coach, and then you're running backs coach all in one day pretty much i mean that's very telling that the only assistant who stayed on is offensive line coach chris morgan which credit to him because he did more than he was probably supposed to this year and never got his starting five together consistently but it just you know it's a weird dynamic that the bears have created time and time again we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring The best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, it's 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 crazy. It's it's one of those things where, like, look, you look at the candidates that are going to be available this offseason, Ben Johnson, Bobby Sloak, two of the top young offensive minds. Like, who knows if they take head coaching jobs, but you have the opportunity to go get these guys. And that's not even to mention, like, some of the bigger names out there. Like, look, I'm not a big John Harbaugh guy or Jim Harbaugh guy, I should say, but you gotta got to think that he's going to be one of the top guys that teams go after. You know, Mike Vrabel gets let go by the Tennessee Titans. He's one of the top guys. Again, I'm not a big on hiring a defensive-minded head coach, but if you're going to hire a defensive-minded head coach, like I'd rather have a Mike Vrabel compared to, you know, Matt Eberflus. You know what I mean? Because Mike Vrabel has had a ton of success in Tennessee, consistently overachieves uh, with, you know, some pretty, I don't know what you'd say, like below-average rosters in Tennessee over the past few years, and he's gotten the most out of those teams. So, um yeah, to me, this is a very uninspiring decision to go in this direction. Um, from all accounts, it sounds like Ryan Poles has a, a lot of belief in Matt Eberflus and is, you know, it's it, it doesn't sound like a situation where they view it as lame duck. Um, but that's the way, you know, that's the way I see it with this this view. You know, I they may they may feel internally that Matt Eberflus is the guy long term. But my thing is like if they think truly felt like he was the guy long-term for them. Why did it take them so long to officially announce that Matt Eberflus was safe, you know, and that he was going to be the guy for them next year as the head coach? You know, why did it take them a few days to, you know, have a bunch of internal meetings to decide what their course of action was going to be? You know, it, it felt like they were looking for, it felt like, you know, this entire process that they knew that the best decision or the right decision was to fire Matt Eberflus, but that they were going to look for every and any excuse to keep him. And they gave him a chance to kind of make his case to keep his job. And I'm sure one of that, one of the stipulations for that was, you know, what they're going to do on the offensive side of the ball with the coaching staff. And that can kind of lead us to the next thing. Cause another big point of this is that like, look, now that you have pretty much a fresh slate on the offensive side of the ball, when it comes to the coaching, you know, that, that brings a discussion of what offensive coordinators could be brought into the building here. Now, Matt Eberflus has, you know, his connections, I'm I'm sure. Like, some of the big names out there that I've seen connected to Eberflus before, like Kellen Moore was with him when they were both in the Cowboy, on the Dallas Cowboys coaching staff um, some years back. Um, that That's one connection that could be out there, you know, if I'm missing a couple, um, you know. But uh, – Certainly, offensive coordinator. This is going to be probably the biggest hire that they make, you know, this off season, um, because it directly impacts what they do. I would think at the quarterback spot. So when you're looking at the state of, you know, names available, you said, you know, what are some of the things that you're looking for when it comes to that offensive coordinator spot? I mean, there's so there's a lot to look for because Ryan Poles and Matty Rufus State 
straight up came out today and they were like, yeah, well, for both coordinator positions, our phones are blowing up. We're getting a lot of interest. And then they also went on to kind of go ahead and say that they're keeping an open mind with everything, which, again, it's kind of generic because you should have an open mind throughout this entire process. But the big question really comes down to, from a Bears perspective, what are your main selling points going to be? Yes, you can sit there and say, well, we've got the first overall pick. Yes, you can sit there and say, okay, well, we have Justin Fields. But then again, the issues that you run into are kind of twofold in a sense because you have to account for the fact that, you know, some of the top offensive minds like an Eric Bieniemy, like a Frank Smith, for example, like a Clint Kubiak, they may look at the Bears and say, okay, well, is this really a gig worth taking if I have to work with Justin Fields? Not necessarily. And so it's one of those situations where, you know, they need to kind of get this coordinator hire, right? And there's two types of coordinators out there. There's the coordinators that you can go ahead and you can say, okay, you have the experience, you've done this before. And then there's the types of guys where it's, you know, really first time as news from NFL Network breaks that the Bears are looking at Shane Waldron and they just requested an interview with him for their OC job. Yeah, Shane, Shane Waldron's definitely an interesting name, obviously with Pete Carroll being fired. Um, or being, I, I don't know what the situation there in Seattle is. Um, but yeah, like you said, the Bears, that is coming up from Tom Pelissero. The Bears have requested an interview uh, with Seahawks offensive coordinator Shane Waldron. Uh, to me, I mean, that would be best case scenario because Shane Waldron, I, he's had some really good success in Seattle. He's gotten the most out of a veteran like Geno Smith in his career um, at, at a late stage of his career. Everyone thought Geno Smith was a bust. So now that I'm seeing that Shane Waldron is there, I do. You know, that's a hire that I can dig if that's the direction they're going to go. Um, I, I, you know, I truly hope that that's something that comes into play um, because I, I do think very highly of him. Um, to me, he's he's got to be one of the top guys available, though. Um, and, you know, there are some other high-level guys that I, I think could be interesting as well. You, you mentioned Eric Bieniemy. You know, Eric Bieniemy makes some sense with the Ryan Poles connection, both those guys going back to Kansas City. Now, it does – I, I do find it interesting that you know they they have never really made much of an effort to bring in Eric Bieniemy since Ryan Poles has been here. So I wonder if that might be something that you know Ryan Poles may know enough about Eric Bieniemy that he doesn't want any part of that for whatever reason. So that part kind of makes me feel like that's not going to happen. Um, you know who knows what the case is there. Um, and another another connection I've seen has been Frank Reich who was obviously fired by the Carolina Panthers. So I, I've seen this been I've seen that idea been float around. I think that's a nonsense idea. I think it's a really bad idea. For one, because Frank Reich, you know, his last two stops, you know, the last year in Indianapolis and this past year in Carolina, I, I think his offensive system has gotten stale. I, I and the worst and most alarming thing for me is, you know, offensive line play for him over the last two seasons has been really rough. And I think some of that has to be due to the coaching because the Colts were able to, you know, get their offensive line back playing well this past year with, you know, Shane Steichen in there instead of Frank Reich and the Panthers, they saw regression in many areas of their offensive line. So I, I don't see that as higher, but yeah, seeing Shane Waldron as a, as a higher here, I think that would make a lot of sense. You know, he, he comes from kind of that um, Sean McVay, you know, Shanahan tree background where it's, you know, 
the play action boots, the, the uh, outside zone run scheme, you know, play action off of that deep shots down the field, but also some, you know, classic West coast system stuff in there as well. in the quick game, um, you know, that would be a fantastic hire in my opinion. So, you know, as I don't know, disappointed I am in the Matt Eberflus hiring, or I guess keeping Matt Eberflus on as a head coach, you know, I, I am going to try to keep an open mind when it comes to this offensive coordinator search. You know, I certainly think that, you know, there, there can be some positives here. Um, we'll just have to see how it all plays out um, because ultimately, and this is going to be very important for Chicago to get this right. And I, I'm sure they're going to interview a lot of names and we're going to get a lot of information for that over the next few days or the next few weeks, even as they kind of let this process play out. Um, but speaking of that offensive coordinator hire, that brings us to the big question, you know, what do the bears do now at the quarterback position? You know, you're keeping Iberflus here for at least one more year. You're bringing in an entirely new coaching staff on the offensive side of the ball. Um, at the press conference today, you know, Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus, they seem both very non-committal to Justin, at least from um, my understanding of, you know, what, what they said at the press conference. It didn't seem to me that they were leaning one way or the other with it. My gut feeling is that they are leaning towards drafting a rookie, and that would be the selling point for this job would be that you get to work with whatever quarterback you want at the number one overall pick. To me, that would make that this job a lot more um, intriguing than having to say that you have to, you know, coach Justin Fields. So now with everything that we know, what do you think the status is with Justin Fields and a rookie quarterback situation potentially? That is just so tough to say. And you look at the number of times Ryan Poles was asked about it today. It was pretty much just everything's on the table. Now there are a couple things you have to look at here. Number one, if you are drafting that rookie right now then in 2024 you're basically operating on that three to four year window and you are giving the roster a chance to really mesh gel and grow together which again has kind of been really unprecedented territory for the bears because they've never had a young roster and an incredibly young quarterback now you ultimately look at the ultimate decision that this team has to make and it's do the Bears believe in terms of drafting a quarterback, right? You look at Fields' body of work over the last three seasons. You look at Caleb Williams' body of work over the last couple of years. Same with Drake May. By the time Williams and May are in year three, do you believe that they can be better than whatever Justin Fields has shown in year three? Those are kind of the short-term and long-term projections that you have to go ahead and make. Now, with that said, the benefit that a Williams or a May has in this system and this team right now is that they're walking into a situation where there's a highly productive tight end, there's a highly productive wide receiver, there's a pretty solid offensive line and a really good running game. And so all those factors kind of lay the groundwork for it may just be better for the Bears to go ahead and draft a rookie quarterback. Again, is it the most popular thing? No, but is it the right thing to do? Yes. I think it is the right thing to do as well. Um, you know, Justin Fields, for all the excitement that he brings as a football player and for all the intangible aspects that he brings in terms of his professionalism, the leadership in the locker room, the fact that the guys in the locker room absolutely love this guy, and that cannot be taken away. And that's probably what's going to make this 
a tough decision for the Bears more so than his play on the field because, yes, did he get better? Yes, but if we're just looking at this objectively in terms of his film and the production he put up this year, it's not enough to justify um, moving, you know, moving off number one and not taking a quarterback. Like you got to take a quarterback based off of the film and based off of, um, you know, his production this year. But Justin Fields is such a likable dude that it does make this decision pretty tough from an intangible human aspect of this. Um, but I just think it's time. I, I really do think it is. I think it's the perfect time to reset. And, you know, luckily for the Bears, you're, you have two awesome quarterback prospects with Caleb Williams and Drake May to pick from here. So it's not like a situation like um, last year or not even last year, but the year before, if you remember the Kenny Pickett draft with, you know, Malik Willis, Desmond Ritter, you know, some of those other guys in that draft, that, you know, just a historically just awful draft class. Um, it's, it's nothing like, like that, you know, it, it, you know, for all things considered. So from that standpoint, um, you know, it, this is a quarterback class that has, again, like I said, a lot of talent here at the top, a lot of talent to choose from. You're in a perfect situation to really rebuild this, not even rebuild this thing, but get your guy, get him on a rookie contract, you know, round out the rest of this roster with the draft picks and, and the cap space that you do have available to you. And you can build an exciting team here, man, over the next few years. It's too bad that you're kind of capping the ceiling a little bit with your head coach and kind of keeping that same, you know, mind conservative mindset in your organization around. Um, but in terms of like getting talent on the, on the team and on the football field, um, very exciting situation for the bears uh, to be in. Um, I do find it interesting that in his press conference, you know, Ryan Poles had a little bit of a slip up. You know, they were asking, I think it was Courtney Cronin who asked this question and kind of picked up on it. But uh, Ryan Poles kind of let it slip where they were asking about, uh, you know, quarterbacks in this draft. And he's mentioned all four of these guys. Now, that could mean a variety of different things. Like, is he referring to four guys with first round grades that he has in this upcoming draft? Is he refer- referring to Justin Fields, maybe three other quarterbacks? that he's having offensive coordinators kind of um, choose from when it comes to, you know, talking about building a system around these guys. I found that quote to be very interesting. I think kind of Ryan Poles tipped his hand a little bit for um, the way the bears kind of view things right now. Um, I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Am I crazy for reading too much into that? Or do you think Ryan, do you think that's kind of giving us a little bit of insight into like maybe how the bears are thinking right now? I mean, I will be honest that so that was in a sense, you could say a polarizing statement because it really does depend on the context within which everything was mentioned now and everything's being discussed. Now, on one hand, you could say it is leaning towards the NFL draft. And again, polls didn't come out and say like, oh, yeah, I've got four guys with first round grades. No, polls was alluding to the fact that based off the research that his scouts have kind of given him that the general consensus seems to be there's four quarterbacks are going to go in round one. Now, there are two, you know, Williams and May are in a tier of their own. After that, you've got Jaden Daniels, and then you have J.J. McCarthy, but you also have Michael Penix. So you kind of have two complete wild cards that are just there that you don't really know where they're going to go ahead and place. Because as much as we want to sit here and say, yeah, there's four first-round quarterbacks, I mean, I could totally see J.J. McCarthy's slipping to the second round but the other part of all this comes down to the fact that you know it 
the Bears need to do their homework on these quarterbacks anyway. And and they don't have to do their homework because they have they're gonna select a quarterback, but you have to be ready for every single scenario possible. And if you select Justin Fields to be your starter in 2024, well then you need to figure out what to do with one and nine. And and really it would make a lot of sense to just do your homework on these guys anyway to get an idea of well which teams would really want number one, which teams would want number nine. Where do we see these draft prospects landing anyway? Because it's natural that when you're picking that high in the top ten, you do work on all the top prospects. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is as Ryan Poles alludes, and I kind of do I do believe him on this. They they are in an information gathering standpoint right now. So while I do think they're gonna lean towards drafting a quarterback, um, you know, they're gonna do their work on all these guys because you know it's you know, circumstances may change, you know, throughout the offseason. There's a few months left until we have a couple months until uh the combine, or really about a month or so until the combine um in February. Uh, we have a couple months here, um, you know, until free agency starts. So there's still plenty of time. And of course, you know, three or four months away from the draft. So there, there's still a lot for them to go through right now. So they're going to evaluate the top of this draft class. You know, what players are there? You know, they're going to evaluate the quarterbacks. And, you know, another thing I found interesting before we kind of move on to some, to some college football talk is, um, you know, Ryan Poles mentioning when, you know, scouting quarterbacks, you know, the human side of it is, is very important as well. And trying to get to know these uh, prospects as people, because you can look at all the film that you want, but you don't really know um, about a player as a person. So you get to talk to him and speak to him in person. So, you know, th- that speaks to me that if it's me reading in between the lines there is that, again, I think they're leaning quarterback because they, they haven't committed to Justin Fields at all as their guy moving forward, the way I see that is as long as, you know, either one of May or or Caleb Williams, whichever guy they like more, whoever, you know, as long as they ace their interviews and, you know, and they seem to check out, you know, personally with whatever digging they do behind the scenes, I I think they're going to be going with that selection there. Now I could be wrong, you know, we'll let it all play out, but it certainly makes things interesting here. You know, like you mentioned, you know, Bears having two top 10 picks, you know, there's a variety of directions that they can go with this. Not, we, we, you know, obviously there's the trade down aspect that they do decide to stick with Justin Fields, but I think the second first round pick is even more interesting because there is a lot of options they can do with it. You know, can they get another number one wide receiver or not even number one, but just another premium receiver uh, for a quarterback to work with? Um, can they get an edge rusher in this draft class? Because around nine is where you're going to start to see some of these edge rushers fall off the board, I would assume. You know, is there, you know, opportunity for them to trade down in that in that spot of the draft? So to me, it's a very interesting spot when you look at the Bears, where they're seeing it right now. You know, with the end of the season here, they officially have the first pick and the ninth pick in the upcoming 2024 NFL draft. So, you know, the, the Bears are really in, regardless of what direction they go in, they're in a power position for um, how they can go about this next draft. Yeah, and, and that's ultimately who's going to make this thing so interesting because they they don't – it's weird because they've kind of come out and said, well, I have to keep – well, Ryan Poles alluded to how he's like, you know, I have to keep an open mind about all this, which is pretty much 
another way of saying, well, everything is on the table. And so they need, they're going to have to do their due diligence. But if you remember last year, the bears went to Indianapolis and the morning that the combine was going to start, the news wrote that the number one pick was for sale. Now I don't foresee the same thing happening this year, but we also have to be prepared for the possibility of don't as a team and as a franchise, just kind of limit your trade down and ability to acquire additional draft capital to the number one overall pick. Well, you still have that ninth overall pick. You still have teams that are going to want to move up the board. And so, you know, the return at number nine on a trade back may not be as nice as number one. I mean, it doesn't get sweeter than number one, but it could still be enough for you to recoup a lot of those day two and day three draft picks, just because we know that polls covets those day two and day three picks. Yeah. I think that's a really good point because like you said, I mean, look, if you could get your quarterback and trade number one for a haul and get that figured out, I would, you know, I would love for that to be the case, but in, you know, in a realistic world, that's probably not going to happen. If you want to get a quarterback in this draft, you got to take one at one if you're in the position to do that. And that's what I think the Bears are going to do. But you can, again, number nine is going to be an interesting spot as well because as much as we say that, like Caleb and, and Drake, you know, those are the top two guys in this class, there's kind of like a very clear, you know, tier difference between them and the next guys. You know, you have a lot of questions about guys like Jaden Daniels. Um, Bo Nix, Michael Penix, JJ McCarthy. That's kind of your next tier quarterback prospects in this year's draft. You know, a lot of guys that are kind of seen as, you know, right now fringe first round guys, probably more so day two guys. When you look at McCarthy, Penix, and Nix, you know, Daniels, it looks like he's going to be a first round guy, probably uh, with the way that a lot of NFL teams are. It's, it seems like that's the way it's going for him, you know, being the Heisman winner, coming off a really big season, great athlete, good arm, you know, all that stuff. Um, but yeah, like if a quarterback, let's say like J, uh, Daniels falls to them at nine still after they get their quarterback, you don't think like teams like the Denver Broncos or the Raiders or, you know, the Vikings, you know, teams in the middle part of the first round who need a long-term answer at that quarterback spot, won't want to trade up and get into the mix there to, you know, get a quarterback. You know, absolutely a scenario where that can happen. Even if it's not for a quarterback, they can still trade down and, um, you know, recoup some draft value as well. Because remember, they're probably going to get something for Justin Fields if they decide to move on from him. And I'm guessing you're getting like a day two pick for him. They gave up a second round pick for Montez Sweat in, in that trade. They need to recoup that in somehow, some way, you would think, the way things are going. You know, if Ian Cunningham gets a job, you're probably getting two extra third round picks. Let's say you trade down from nine to get an extra like third round pick or something. You know, you're setting yourself up pretty well with, you know, day two draft capital between this draft and the next draft to really set yourself up well, I think, for the future to build around, you know, a young franchise quarterback. And, you know, ideally, I say, in my opinion, the way I would view it, you say it is that if, you know, if Rome Adunze or Malik Neighbors are on the board, you stay at nine and you get a wide receiver. If both of those wide receivers are off the board, at least for me at this point, and we're very early in the process here, you look to trade down, look to recoup some value, get some extra draft picks, and then try to address that wide receiver position later. Maybe pick a defensive player if Iberflus really feels that strongly about adding to that defense. And yeah, that, that's the way I would go about it. Um, 
you know, your early feeling about that, you know, what do you think would probably be the best option at this point? Then we can probably move on to some of these younger, these other storylines from college football. Yeah. I mean, last point I'm going to make here is this, is that it is such an offensive driven league that if you do stand pat with your two picks, I mean, you need to go ahead and you have to select offense. And that's just because the defense with Iberflus being back, I mean, it's going to look pretty much the exact same in terms of starters outside of, you know, maybe one, two or three guys. Offense, though, is really where they have to go ahead and focus. And so if there's a guy like a Malik Neighbors or a Roma Dunze there at ninth overall, I mean, forget trading down and getting the extra draft capital. Nope. Take him by all means because those guys are going to help elevate your offense and make DJ Moore and Cole Komet better, too. Absolutely. Um, adding more weapons is never a bad thing. You always want to add uh, to that quarterback position. But again, a lot of it is is going to depend on what quarterbacks are available, who, you know, who is available for them to pick at number nine, and also what teams are going to be willing to move up because – um, like I said before, you know, there are some quarterbacks in the second tier that teams could find interesting. And I guess we can move on to some college football talk here, kind of in that same discussion point. Uh, let's talk about the national championship game that just happened this past weekend or this past Monday. Um, you know, we're recording this episode on a Wednesday, obviously. Um, and that, that, that was a game that featured two of these, you know, kind of tier two prospects. When you look at Michael Penix Jr. and JJ McCarthy, who, you know, Playing in those games, um, uh, playing in that game on Monday, you know, two guys that have had a lot of hype for them, um, a lot of kind of went to building for these guys as potential first-round picks. Um, I'm kind of going to leave my opinions on both of these guys um, after you go, you said, because I got some thoughts on both of them. But, you know, you look at this national championship game first, let's, let's, let's recap it. Michigan, obviously – Getting the win here, um, and for all of you like me who are not big Michigan fans, you know, I'm a very anti-Michigan uh, when it comes to my sports fandom. Um, this is not a game that I particularly enjoyed watching, um, especially because I really don't enjoy Michigan's brand of football with, you know, being so um, old school and, you know, very ground and pound. And that's just not not my, my cup of tea personally with the way – I. That might be sacrilege for many Bears fans out there who, you know, probably adore this stuff, um, this old school style of football. But, um, you know, Jim Harbaugh gets his, his uh, you know, his his championship there at Michigan. He, he uh, uh, you know, does it for his alma mater, which is a pretty cool story as he's probably going to be moving out to the NFL. Um, but the big story for me with Michigan winning this game, they pretty much controlled this game all game. You know, they 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 ran the ball right down Washington's throat, especially in the first half. You know, J.J. McCarthy wasn't asked to do much, which has been pretty much the story of him the entire year. And then, you know, Michael Penix, you know, the with all the talk being, you know, that 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 offense uh, was just really awesome, you know, this past season. It really was. It's one of the best offenses, if not the best offense in college football this past year. Really couldn't do anything against this, this Michigan defense. You know, only scoring 13 points. Uh, Michigan really handled, you know, this passing game that Washington had. Michael Penix did not have a great game in this one. So, you know, what are your kind of first your impressions based off of this college football playoff? You know, not only for just, you know, the games themselves and some of the prospects in this game, but specifically the quarterbacks, you know, what type of takeaways did you have from this game? I mean, I'll be honest with you, you know, this was a kind of – game where both quarterbacks had a lot to lose and 
again, you look at J.J. McCarthy. I mean, the guy really has not, to me, elevated his play in any sort of way on an individual level. And I say that simply because it just seems like going back to August 2023, I mean, he's consistently even mentioned as quarterback four in this draft class. Like, you know who your big three are in Williams, May, and Jaden Daniels. J.J. McCarthy, a guy that I think went into the season with a lot of hype and a lot of expectations around him. A guy who many saw as potentially elevating himself to quarterback three, but it really has not been that way. And then on the other side, you look at Michael Penix. I mean, again, a guy who kind of reminds me a little bit of Matthew Stafford in a sense, but is not as crazy athletic, doesn't have that big arm that Matthew Stafford does. But Michael Penix, again, can still go ahead and sling it. He's still a big, sturdy, stable quarterback. Now, the problem comes into where you need to look at his body of work in terms of his injuries. So it's a situation, you know, where the Bears, they... These guys are going to be there on the board when the Bears pick twice, but they are not going to be, you know, first options by any means. And they do have a lot of boom or bust factor to both of them. Yeah, I'll start with uh, Penix because, you know, he was a guy that a lot of people were hyping up, especially after his game against Texas, where he was phenomenal against Texas in the semifinal game. Um, you know, you saw what you know, really the best of Penix in that game in terms of as a pocket passer, you know, when he has the ability to just, you know, to really drive that football down the field and just rip fastballs there. Um, it's really beautiful to watch um, when he's in rhythm in a clean pocket. He can really sling that thing. He's got a really strong arm, really strong velocity on the ball. Um, it's a weird looking release, partly because he's a lefty, but. I've also seen the comparison that he's pretty much like uh, a lot of people compare him to like Philip Rivers if he was left-handed with kind of that awkward throwing motion motion that he has. Um, I kind of like that comparison in terms of like a stylistic um, resemblance. Um, I don't, I, you know, obviously I think Philip Rivers, you know, him being a high first round pick, better caliber prospect than a uh, better player, obviously than Michael Penix Jr. But Michael Penix, yeah, I mean, he's been the engine or, you know, the conductor of that Washington offense for the last two years now. The thing that worries me about Penix, and this is kind of exposed in this Michigan game, is that you get him off his spot and his effectiveness as a passer really goes downhill really quickly. You know, and a lot of that is because of the injuries that he's had. He's had two ACL injuries, two other season-ending injuries. So, you know, while he's maybe a more naturally athletic guy than a Phillip Rivers type, um, he's not as mobile as maybe he once was, or as you kind of want your quarterbacks to be. And this is all over his, his film where, you know, the second he has to move after the top of his drop, like he's, his accuracy falls off a cliff cliff. His arm strength isn't really there. He, he doesn't, he kind of panics and doesn't really know what to do. You know, he just, he'll just kind of fling the ball to his check down or throw it out of bounds right away whenever there's a hint of pressure on him when he's forced to move. So my biggest worry for Penix is that there's not a ton of upside to the game, to his game. I feel like he's a very good pocket passer in terms of playing in structure, executing his first or second read and, you know, making throws down the field with velocity, but there's not a lot of creation in his game. You know, he, uh, doesn't really throw over the middle of the field very effectively. Um, 
you know, he's not a guy who's going to really evade rush in the pocket consistently. He did it a lot in the Texas game, but that's not that that's that the game's the exception to me, not the rule. And his ball placement is very inconsistent at times, and that showed up all over against Michigan. You know, he, he missed a, a variety of different open receivers in this game with some pretty poor throws. Um, again, not not his best game. Um, again, for as good as the Texas game for, was for his stock, the Michigan game was the exact opposite. So, you know, I'm still a ways away from, you know, my evaluation on Penix. I probably see him as like a round three to maybe borderline round two guy right now. He's, he's firmly a day two pick for me. Again, the age concerns me. The uh, late breakout concerns me. The injuries concern me. And I just I just feel like you, what you see is what you get with him, in my opinion. Now, McCarthy, on the other hand, he's a younger guy, doesn't have a ton of experience starting. Um, wicked arm talent in terms of he has a very good trait in terms of the velocity that he throws when he tries to drive it in the middle of the field or you know those fastballs um, in the tight windows. He can definitely, definitely generate some juice on those throws. My whole problem with McCarthy is, is that like he literally doesn't do anything in, in Michigan's offense. Their passing game is basic, and this is a lot of this is not his fault, but their bas- passing game is basically play action boots, play action, play action deep shots, um, some quick game, some screens, and that's about it. He's not really asked to, you know, make complex reads where he has to go to one to two to three full field. You know, they don't put him in situations where he has to kind of be the engine of the offense, so to speak, because they run the ball, you know, they run the, the piss out of the ball and they take really they take the air out of it. Um, and my, my problem with McCarthy is right now, like he's an undersized guy. Um, he doesn't throw the ball with a ton of touch. You know, he's basically a one speed thrower with that fastball. Um, he's an athletic dude, but I don't think he's a special enough athlete to where it's going to really work for him in the NFL the way he does in college. Um, I don't know. I, I, I know he, uh, there's a lot of people that like him, especially Michigan fans. I'm not so high on McCarthy. I see him as a day two guy as well. I think he'll be a very nice backup to low end starter in the NFL. Maybe there's some tools to work with that you can develop there right now. I wouldn't touch either of these guys with the first round pick. And that's, that's just that's kind of where I stand with these two guys right now. And looking at these two, I mean, if I had to pick one of the two to potentially be a first round pick, I would definitely say it's more so Michael Penix. I could see going in round one simply because of the athleticism and a lot of the intangibles that he brings. McCarthy is much harder because you don't know how much of the work that he did was the results of two really solid running backs. plus a great core around him versus him genuinely and legit being as good as he was. Yeah, that that's going to be the, the tough evaluation with all these guys. Really? How do you separate the sep- the situation from the player? Um, that's something that NFL GMs are going to wrestle with um, really this entire last few months. And that kind of, you know, the end of this podcast here, you said um, kind of bringing things full uh, full circle here is that like now that we're into the off season, it's it's draft season time now, especially for us here. Um, we're going to be going in the full draft evaluation mode, and uh, it's going to start for us really with evaluating these quarterbacks. You know, evaluating this quarterback class. But you know, I'll say you know, and I'll get you. You can get some final thoughts, and you say it as we get um, into kind of the bigger storylines here. But a- as we get into 
this off season, you know, what are some of the things that you're looking forward to watching for, um, not only for the bears, but also just for the draft and the NFL in general, you know, what's something that, you know, that you're looking forward to seeing from the next few months. I mean, the easy answer is this is the next couple of weeks here, the next few months, we're trying to figure out what the hell the bears are doing with, these firings that have happened on the offensive side of the ball from the tight ends coach all the way down to the offensive coordinator. But then the other half of it is this, is that league-wide and draft-wise, you're kind of looking at a situation where you could potentially see one or two veteran quarterbacks be on the move. You could see teams make tons of roster cuts, which then adds a bit more intrigue for how the Bears are going to operate during the offseason. Now, for me, I think the route is going to be very traditional. They're going to go ahead. They're going to do their homework on these quarterbacks they're going to say okay well you know we believe in three plus years that this guy's going to be better than justin fields let's go ahead and let's select them in terms of the entire league i mean just looking at some of the fun stuff that's going to happen around you know i'm intrigued to see what the la chargers do because kellen moore's on that staff but he's also probably going to be unemployed in a few days here Unless some team brings him on, but the Chargers are, I mean, one fun team that I'm going to go ahead and watch. And then one of my personal favorite prospects is Illinois defensive tackle Jerzon Newton, a guy who has not necessarily gotten a lot of love and attention this year, but he's the best DT in this class. Yeah, for, for me, I'm watching the coaching carousel. And the quarterback carousel is going to be fun. Like, where does Kirk Cousins go? You know, Russell Wilson is probably out on the outs in Denver. You know, where does he end up? Justin Fields is going to be, you know, a name to monitor. You know, where, you know, what do the Bears do with him? You know, these these quarterbacks in the draft, you know, that's all going to be interesting. But the coaching carousel is going to be very interesting. I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, what the Patriots do with Bill Belichick. What's that situation going to be? You know, there are still rumblings that Mike Tomlin might be done in Pittsburgh, depending on how, you know, things go in the playoffs for them. Um, not necessarily that he'd be fired, but there might be a parting of ways. Either he might take a look step away or, you know, whatever that case may be. You know, you got Mike Vrabel available still. Um, you have these offensive-minded head coaches like Ben Johnson, Bobby Slowick, um, Shane Waldron, um, you know, now being available as well, looking for an offensive coordinator job with the Bears, obviously. He's, he's a candidate. You know, the Seattle job, like who's going to take that job? Um a whole bunch of interesting things. I'm also interested in seeing like Ian Cunningham. What's the situation with him? You know, does he get a GM job? Um, you know, this offseason, it really does feel like it's kind of his turn um, to get a GM job. He's, he's had his name um, kind of float around for a while now for getting a GM job. I, I think he's going to get one this offseason, and I'm really looking forward to seeing like where he goes as well. Um, I mean, it's the NFL, man. There's just there's always something to talk about. There's always something to kind of dig into and digest here. Um, I'm just really excited for it um, and all that stuff. You know, the Bears they terrify me because I, I just feel like they're going to find a way to make the wrong decision um, with whatever they do. It's going to be like the wrong outcome. Um, I'm gonna, but I'm gonna try to stay positive. I think the Bears. You know, I bagged on them quite a bit in this podcast today. I genuinely do feel like, though, that Ryan Poles has set up probably the best chance for this team to set up long-term success in a while. 
you know, may, will it happen with the current regime in terms of the coaching staff and whatnot? I don't know. I can't, couldn't tell you, you know, we'll see what happens there. Um, but with the draft picks they have with the chance to get, you know, a top quarterback and the cap space they have, you know, they're, they're looking like they're going to be in a good spot. So um, I'm curious to see what happens. And ultimately now all I have to do is just wait and see. And ultimately um, it's going to give us a lot to talk about for sure over these next few weeks, these next few months um, as we get closer and closer to the draft. So before we get out of here, said, I need your prediction. Who's making it to the Super Bowl? Who do you have winning? Yeah. So this is um, a tough one just because, I mean, I feel like the fields for both sides are wide open, but I think Baltimore's going to come in from the AFC. I think it's the 49ers from the NFC, and I do give the edge to Baltimore. I think they're going to be the ones who end up winning the Super Bowl this year. I agree with you with the 49ers. I think they're a juggernaut, um, especially in offense. They had those pass rushes on defense. I'm going to go outside the box here. I think the Bills, I think they're a team of destiny. I think they're going to work it out. Um, and make it to the Super Bowl here. You know, it looks like they figured some things out in terms of having a more balanced team and not just having Josh Allen just YOLO hero ball it um, to be their entire, uh, you know, chance of winning games. Their defense is starting to come around a little bit. Um, I'm looking forward to a Buffalo 49ers Super Bowl. And I think, you know, Josh Allen, I'm going to give Josh Allen, he's going to go on a hot streak and uh, get his first Super Bowl win. It's going to be my bold take for this one. And I'll end it on that for this podcast here. Um, this is a fun one getting back into the swing of things here. Uh, thank you for all of our listeners and make sure to subscribe, rate, review, uh, and like this podcast on wherever you get your podcast, especially on Spotify for Blue Wire Pods. Um, make sure to follow us on social media. You can follow the Bear Report on Twitter at Bear Report. You can follow us at Pixar Polls on Twitter as well. You say, where can our listeners find your work and find you, uh, find you on social media? Yes, you can find me on social media at Usaid Koshal. Be sure to keep an eye out on a lot of the articles that I'm dropping over the next few days. I've got a off-season outlook article for both the offense and defense dropping over the next basically three to five days here. Absolutely. As for me, you can find my work on the Bear Report as well at um, at the Bear Report, you can find me on social media on Twitter at AJ Freeman 25. I just released a mock draft um, article on the Bear Report, which you can check out there. Um, you know, getting my second mock draft for the Bears. Um, and I'm going to be looking to have more draft content out as well as we get further and further along in the offseason. But, you know, it's it's been a wild season, Bears fans. Uh, I want, want to thank all of our listeners for sticking with us this entire year. It's been a lot of fun. Um, looking forward to a very busy offseason for us. Going to be a lot of draft content coming up for you guys. Uh, so stay tuned for that. Stay tuned for more Bears news, obviously, as well. But until next time, Bears fans, have yourself a great rest of your week and bear down. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 